Thank you very much, worship team. May the Lord continue to bless you as you put all the efforts to, to minister in his, in his presence. Uh, these are difficult times. And um, um, they are not very easy times. We don't have the answers to, to everything. I remember one time uh, someone said, yeah, when we say, let's pray Psalm 91, that this thing will not come over me. What about those believers who have gone on and the pestilence has hit? What, what do you say? These, these are not uh, easy times. But the one thing we do know is that the Lord God continues to watch over us. The Lord God continues to minister even in the pain of bereavement and death. The Lord God has not forsaken us and he will not forsake us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, 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 we have had to ask questions about things we used to say are right and normal. All of a sudden, we have to retract and say, is this right for me to do right now? You, you know what I'm talking about. Fear is real. And uh, when we came yesterday for prayer, our brother um, explained very well, uh, I think he was speaking for most of us, that the fear is real. Even as believers in Christ, it does come. But what do you do with that fear? And we had prayed along those lines. We had also actually come to a point where we're saying, when you face the reality of death before you, you are, you are made to question your priorities. You're made to question your priorities. What really matters? Amen. And all these are questions that we need to answer, but let's not do them out of fear. Because fear, as we learned, is the weapon of the enemy. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. So in all that happens, love, power, and sound mind. Because fear will make us panic. Um, I'm not afraid of death. <laughs> I'm not. The process of dying, however, is another matter. I, I've been there several times, but God spared me and brought me back. So the process of dying is, is a fearful thing. But when it comes to death, I'm not worried. Amen? I'm not worried. We should not be worried because Christ conquered death. He gave us victory through death. The, press, the process of dying, that, that's another matter, but we're not going to be afraid of death because Christ came to defeat death. Hallelujah. So, uh, we are going to I, 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 we are going to finish off the series where I left off last time. Um, we've been talking about plenty and progress this this year's theme, and I think we're going to finish off today. And then next week uh, we we are going to have a worship service, and that will be the beginning of new things. But we, what is undeniable is that every person wants progress. Every one of us in here wants plenty. Every one of us. I don't know what you're thinking about, but one thing I am sure of, you want plenty of progress. You want plenty and progress in your life. Whatever is involved in that, but you want plenty and you want progress. And we saw that it is the way God made us. When you go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 God, or 26 onwards up to verse 30, 
you see that God created, created us to be fruitful, to multiply, and to dominate, and to project his image into the world. So wanting plenty is in our DNA. We are not satisfied with very little. Yesterday we were, I, was, I was chatting with my wife and, and we remembered my grandmother who, who kept saying, so, so you're just going to have two children. I said, Grandma, what is that business to you? He says, no, but you're just going to have two children. That's all. If, me, if I had stopped at two children, your mother would not have been alive. I would not have lived this long. And she would go on and on and say, some of these pressures. But you see, as a grandmother, she's nearing the end of her life and she wants to see that her generation is secure. The legacy is secure. It's just in there. Amen? That's the way we are as people. And what we've been looking at in, in, in the past two weeks, Pastor took us through this thing, very clear teaching and very encouraging teaching, I might add, that we need to be a people who vo- hear the voice of God for ourselves. And he took us through five points about what it is like when God speaks to us. There is peace. There's no fear. God does not push you to do things quickly. There's no haste. And all those things that were uh, outlined two weeks ago. And then last week, we talked about how you to hear God's voice by detecting also the, the enemy's voice. Because the enemy will try to come as an angel of light. He will speak enough truth for you to be cap, captured into his, his, his tentacles before he deals you with the final blow. So we need to, to know, how, is this God or is this the enemy? And there were those things that were outlined. Five of them, I, I will not tell you, you, you got the notes, you go back to them. But to be able to detect this is the voice of the enemy. And I will not go this way. And there were all those examples about get behind me, Satan. And he was talking to Peter and so on. He talked to us about how the devil always look for an opportune time. We serve a full-time devil. We, don't, we cannot afford to be on vacation in our Christian walk. And so when you, de- when you realize that this is the voice of the devil, you know exactly how to respond. They tell us that those who are trained to identify counterfeit U.S. dollars are not trained by looking at the fake ones. They spend much of their time studying the genuine dollar. Because once you know the genuine one, it will be easier to spot the fake. Amen? So let's focus on getting to know the voice of God. Because when we do get to know the voice of God for ourselves, it will be so easy for us to detect when the enemy is whispering doubts in our minds. When the enemy comes and he says, did God really say? Remember that one? Yeah, did God really say? And he twists scripture. And he begins to tell us things that are in contradiction to what the word of God has already revealed to us. And so, we start, we're coming from that angle, and we are still looking at the life of Isaac, who heard the voice of the Lord for sure. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 26. It's in a time of famine, and we'll be looking at uh, several scriptures. Genesis chapter 26, it's a time of famine in that land, and uh, people are 
going through Gera, going to Egypt, because that's where there is food. Egypt, apparently, there is food. There's always been food in Egypt. Come to think of it. <laughs> but that's, that's, where, that's the route also Isaac is taking, and when he gets to Gera, he links up with Abimelech, and he thinks, ah, I've got it made here. But God says, no, 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 you're not staying here. So from this two, the Lord appeared to Isaac and, and said, do not go down to Egypt, live in the land where I will tell you to live. See, even Gera was a temporary place for Isaac to be. And he says, stay in this land for a while and I'll be with you and I will bless you. For you, to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and I will confirm the oath I saw to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give them all these lands and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees and my laws. So Isaac stayed in Gera because God had told him, stay in this land for a while. Isaac knew the voice of God. Amen? He knew God has told me to stay here and he's going to start blessing me from here. So, fast forward with me to verse 12 and 14. 12 to 14. The Bible says that Isaac planted crops in that land, that's the land of Gera, in the same year and reaped hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Already we see God being true to his promises. Amen? The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. We'll stop there for a while. Notice that Isaac planted and he reaped. Okay? He sowed and he harvested. This is a very important statement. <laughs> that is work. So if you want plenty and progress in your life, you need to embrace work. Hallelujah. That's the title if you're taking notes. Plenty and progress through work. And I want us to look at the attitudes we need to have towards work as Christians. The problems that we have seen in the past, when people had started, have started ridiculing the church, they'll say, oh, you say this is the year of shining. Or this is the year of what? This is the... Every church that I know of, God has spoken things that he wants to accomplish in this year. You go to any church, they'll tell you, ah, this is our year of this. This is our year of that. But by the time we come to July, maybe that's too far, March, most of the times we have already lost it. And those who do not know God begin to ridicule us and, and, and make fun of us and say, didn't you say this is the year of plenty and progress? Where is it? And many times it is because, it's not because God has lied. It is not because God has changed his mind. Many times it's because we, we accepted the word and we stopped there. You see, it is easier to say, oh, this is the year of plenty and progress. It is easier to say, I receive it. But for that to become a reality in your life, 
you need to work on things. Amen? Because God will do his part, but you also need to do your part. We'll look at some case studies at the very end. And we also say that simply because God said this is your year of plenty and progress does not mean that next year he will stop giving you plenty and progress or favoring you so that you, are, you have plenty and progress. Last year's theme that we, this is the year of shining, has not stopped. Simply because this is 2021 does not mean you should stop shining. You continue. Because it's one level after another. God has always been doing levels. I'm, I'm reminded of, a, of an advert that became very popular in our house. We were doing levels before levels were a thing. Those of you who... God has been doing levels before they were a thing. If you are faithful in little, then he will, make, he will entrust you with more. That's how God works. Amen? So, you need to embrace work. If the will of God is going to become real in your life. What is work? Well, the dictionary tells us that work is an exertion of effort to produce or accomplish something. There is labor. There is toil. There is productive or operative activity. You are doing things because you are expecting productivity. You are doing things because you are expecting um, some kind of reward. You are not just doing things because you need to do things. You want productivity. Amen? So, here is the one thing you should take away in this message today. If you, do, if you forget anything, I want you to remember this. You need to embrace work as a blessing from God for plenty and progress to be a reality in your life. You see, Isaac had heard from God, stay here, plant, and I will bless you. Actually, I'll give you all these lands. And from that point, Isaac had to engage in work. So when we come to verse 12, Isaac planted crops in that land. That is work. Hallelujah. And we're going to debunk some, some, some attitudes that we have towards work which are not godly at all. But they're very, very popular. So, let's look at attitudes towards work. The first thing I want you to, to realize is that Isaac learned about work from his father. Amen? Especially to those of us who are parents, our children watch what we do. They do. And whether you like it or not, they learn from us. Because when you're, when you're going through this chapter and the other chapters, 24, 25, 26, you, you continue to hear of this phrase that says that he dug up the wells his father had dug. He, he went back to them. So Isaac, in the company of Abraham, was learning things from his father. It's a challenge to us parents about our attitude toward work. In fact, our attitude toward everything. Because our children are watching us. We may be bad examples, but, but, but they are watching us. They are saying, oh, that's how they do this. Oh, I'm not going to be like that. And so on. And, and we meet challenges. I remember one time, one of our sons, I will not say who, 
but one of our sons, um, it, this is the era when laptops had just come in, right? Personal laptops. So I was I almost, almost, I used to bring work home a lot. And uh, that time also, um, our son used to love, love the TV a lot. You'd watch the TV. And there were these battles that we parents go through with our children. You are too close. Remember those battles? You are too close. That's, you are too close to the TV. You damage your eyes. You're too, then you take a, a coffee table like this one and you put it on the TV. You think they will stay far from the TV. Only when you come back, you find they are on the coffee table watching the TV. And you say, you are too close. You are too close. So I get a laptop from the office and I'm, and I'm bringing it home. There's a lot of work and so on. And, and one day, this, this young boy comes to me and he, he looks at me. He looks at the laptop. He looks at me. He looks at the laptop and then he says, Daddy, you're too close. There's a lot of transference that happens in the home. The way we do things. There's a lot of transference. I want to say to parents, be careful the way you live because your children are watching. Let's be intentional about being good examples. Amen? Let's be intentional about being good examples. Your life is an example to your children and others as well. In Genesis chapter 2, I think it's verse 17. Let's go there. I want, I want us to turn to the Bible today and, and just look at scriptures. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. The Bible says, But you, oh, sorry, from verse 15 to 17. The Bible says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. So there you see that God ordained work. He's the one who started it. Amen. He puts man in the garden and he says, you are to work this garden. You are to take care of it. You are to tender. Tend, tend to it. Make it productive. And in, in, in verse, verse 8 and 9, there's something interesting there. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put man, the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. God is planting a garden. It sounds like Isaac planted that year. It's work. God works. Amen? So if you do, actually there will be work in heaven. If you do not like work, forget heaven. You will spoil it for us. Please stay. God ordained work. God gives work to man. And yet we are here behaving like work is a curse. We need to change that. Amen? We need to change that. God works. Jesus Christ himself worked. Let's go to John 4, verse 33 to verse 38. I'm just doing all this. to, to Hopefully we will begin to embrace work. John chapter 4, verse 33 to verse 
38. It's a scenario where he has been with the woman. He's, he's told her about these things, about her life. And they have had this debate about, uh, about where is the place to worship and, and all that, that, that debate that came. But then uh, he, sends his, he had sent his disciples to go and get food. But when they come back, they tell him, Master, you must eat something. God, Jesus was so busy that they had to say, you must eat something. And when we come to verse 32, he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Verse 33, then his disciples said to him, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his what? Work. Where did the work come from? From God. Do, not, do you not say, four months more and then the harvest? And I'll tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the reaper draws his wages. Even now, he harvests in the crop of for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. That's the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So God is right now busy coordinating the end time harvest of souls for his kingdom. Even now, Jesus actually is called for more laborers to the harvest because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, the laborers are few. So even when you say, I am called of God, ministry is work. Amen? Ministry is work. It means we cannot do ministry flippantly. We cannot do ministry at our own convenience. It's a sacrifice we need to put into. All those who, have, who are farmers know that planting, harvesting, bringing in the sheaves as we like to say, it is all describing work. So, laziness cannot be tolerated in the kingdom of God. If you are lazy, you need to man up and begin to work. There's no place for lazy people. And if you think I'm being harsh, we'll, see, we'll look at a few scriptures. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9 to 11. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9 to 11. And by the way, naturally, we don't like to work, do we? We don't. But we have to. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 9. From verse 9. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? Now a sluggard is a pathetically lazy person. That's my definition. <laughs> when will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a bandit. And scarcity like an armed man. So poverty is very much linked to how much work you put into your life. Or whatever it is you're doing. Stop blaming the West. One thing that was said somewhere, we'll come back to that one. But verse 11, verse, verse 12. Uh, sorry, we, we stop at verse 11. But the Bible continues to tell us that work is related to how much plenty you will 
have. There are other verses in Proverbs that talk about work, but we, it's, it's just a lot. We can't go into it right now. But here is the point. We'll talk about different kinds of work later on. Remember these words. I don't know why. Of, of the, the, the entire inauguration speech of President Chaguera last year, I only remember this part of the speech. Work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, work smart. Those words just stuck in my brain. I don't know what it is about those words. But the more I think about them, the more I realize it's got a point. Because it's foolishness to work hard over something that is not productive. You also need to work smart. Amen? Which means we need to think about the kind of work that we are. One of the things I've always asked myself is, you know, when life gets hard and you say, you know what, I need a job. The way things are, I need a job. Yes, I'll be pastoring, but I also need a job. But the question I've always asked is, what kind of work should I be doing? Because it's easy to get a job and start doing a job. But really, what kind of work should you be doing? When we were younger, we would travel places. Leave Zomba at 3 a.m. By 7, I'm in Lilongwe. Do a board meeting. Travel and meet this one, meet one, that one. And I leave Lilongwe at 4 and I'm in Zomba again by 7. I was energetic. I could do that kind of work. <laughs> oh boy, now I'm three years away from 50. It, it's not the same. So I've learned to work smart. So when you hear a pastor say, uh, can you do this for me? He's working smart. <laughs> because my strength, as someone who is aging, it's not as much as it used to be. Amen? The other day we got a gift from, from close friends of ours, uh, a bag of rice. We got home. I can't remember who put it in the car. But when we got home, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm still thinking like I'm 17. So I, I grabbed this bag of rice and I'm thinking I'll take this in the home. And I realized mm -mm, there, were, there were things creaking. And I called my son. I said, um, I need to take this into the house. And he just goes, ah, don't worry, I got it, dad. And he goes in the house. I was like, I am getting old. <laughs> so the way we work needs to be smart too. Amen? We cannot be lazy. People of God, we cannot be lazy. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17. Let's turn there. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17. We need to debunk these myths. And there's a difference between laziness and energy efficiency. Don't tell me you are being energy efficient. You, there's a difference. Paul is telling the Colossians, he says, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, the way I'm preaching right now, this is how I think. The audience I'm preaching to Christ is there. It changes everything. When I'm playing the music, musical instruments, 
I say to myself, would I play this way if Christ was in the audience? When you get you that assignment from your boss, you need to ask yourself, how would I do this assignment if Christ was going to supervise it or he was going to mark it? It sounds simple, doesn't it? But it does bring you to the reality of who Christ is in your life. Amen? So you go to work and you are hardworking. You come on time. You start working when people are busy passing around the nation and the daily times up until 10 o'clock before they start working. Clients are waiting. You are busy working. This is what people begin to say. They begin to say, hey, but you tell them, yes, I am doing this as unto the Lord. And before long, they will, they will be surprised even though you are newer than them, but you are going up the ranks because you are doing it as unto the Lord. And even our bosses, the ones who are not even believers, will always pick a hardworking person. They'll always pick somebody who is faithful. They'll always pick somebody who, is, who has integrity. They'll always want someone who, is, who has integrity. Hallelujah. So whatever you do, do it as if you are doing it unto the Lord. When a visitor is walking through that door, a first-time visitor, are you receiving them as if you're receiving Christ? Because some entertained angels without knowing it. So whatever you do, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. Hallelujah. And your relationship with the Lord will determine how you do things. It changes everything. It sets you apart as one who is after excellence. Verse 23. Let's start from verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for men. I know how hard it is to do a job simply because you want to put money on the table. There is no joy, no passion of you doing that job. You, you are spoiling things. And people can tell. People can tell. Amen? People can tell. I, I remember there was a time when our daughter was being born in Blanta. We had heard horror stories about Maiwatu Private Hospital regarding childbirths. But you know what? We said, God, help us. Help us to meet people who will help us. So we, we, we go into Maiwatu. The day we checked in, there was this nurse. She was supposed to be going off duty. She had been there in the night. But when we came, and the way, because of the way things were, she said, the one I'm supposed to hand over is not here. We, we, we learned later on that the one was, she was supposed to hand over to did not come, had not yet arrived. So she said, I'll, I'll just hold on until that person comes. But you know, that lady stayed up until around 20 past 3 or so after our daughter was born. That's a service with passion. That's a service with heart. Hallelujah. But I've also met other nurses. You say to yourself, 
It's as if I chose to be sick. I am bothering this person. Okay, that's just an example. Okay? We, we, nurses, I could have said teachers. I could have said, there, there are teachers I remember up to this day. Then there are teachers I am I'm still working hard to forget that I ever met them in my life. But there are other teachers up to this day. I'm thinking of one who was retired to Mulanje now. That guy made us want to learn because of his passion. See, there's a difference. Let me talk as a teacher. There's a difference. You are either teaching English to your students or you are teaching your students English. Okay? When you teach English to your students, it's all about English. You don't care about the student. When you are teaching your students English, your student comes first. And it becomes a ministry. Your attitude toward work matters. There are doctors who, whose offices are lined up like the people waiting to see them. Then there are other doctors, people say, is Dr. Sonso here? Yeah. Can I meet another doctor, please? I've heard this one last week. I did this last week. I thought I was the only one until someone came. Is Dr. Sonso here? My, my baby is not alright. Uh, but there are all other doctors. No, I want Dr. Sonso. Why? The kind of service. The way you deal with people. The way you handle people matters. It makes a difference in your work. Amen? So whatever you do, the Bible says, do it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not men. But you see, when you do that, the men begin to notice how you are doing it for the Lord. And they want to come back. Hallelujah. Okay, final one. Second Thessalonians. Um, chapter 3. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. The Bible says in verse 6. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle. Keep away from them. And who does not live according to the teaching you received from us. <laughs> What do you do with people who are idle, especially brothers and sisters who are idle? You keep away. Do you know why? Because through association, you can end up becoming like them. It's hard teaching. He says, verse 7, For you yourself know how you ought to follow our example. We are not idle when we were, we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we could not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves as a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. 
if a man will not work, he shall not eat. This is not talking about those who are unable to work. This is talking about those who are not able to work. You see the difference? Because of some reason or another, they are not able to work. Maybe because of their health conditions. Those are not the people we are talking to. We are talking about able-bodied people who have made a choice. I don't want to work. Paul says, then you shall not eat. Amen? Amen. First Timothy 5 verse 8. First Timothy 5 verse 8. This is a very popular one. The Bible says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I I don't want to go there. It's very clear from the scriptures. And especially this one. This one is a free one to to our sisters in in the house. The married sisters in the house. And those to be married. There is something in belt in a man that wants to provide for his family. Don't squish it. Nature it. Amen? There is nothing so demoralizing for a man to not be able to take care of his family, to provide for his family. There is nothing so demoralizing for a man. And so you have heard it spoken even from this pulpit. I remember very well pastor has, has taught us about this one. The guy has left home in this time of COVID. Exposed himself trying to make something for the family. He comes home and the first thing he hears is then the bread You're killing him. You're killing him. Don't. Okay? I know the bread is needed or the whatever he was supposed to bring is needed. I know that. But please, for goodness sake, I beg you, our sisters, encourage the brother. Because as long as he knows my wife is on my team, he is on my side. Ah, the following morning he says, hello world, here I come. Okay? Even if it is me against the world. The guy will go out there because he knows you are in his corner. So things may be hard for a bit, but keep pushing him out there. Keep giving him encouragement. It will be well. God will take care of us. Pray for him. Because when it goes well with him, it goes well for you. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. There are lots that we can talk about from there. But the point is, We need to embrace work as something that is God-ordained. Work is something that helps us to be productive. Work is something that God uses to bring plenty. We'll look later in Psalm chapter 1 verse 3. That he will bless everything that you do will prosper. Everything that you do will prosper. God will bless the work of your hands. So if you, if you are not open to work or if you are lazy or if you have a bad attitude towards work, 
What will God bless for there to be plenty, for there to be progress? What will he bless? So, we need to change our attitudes towards work. I could have said a lot of things about teamwork, for example. That a cord of three strand is not easily broken. When you are working in partnerships, there's a lot more productivity than when you're going it alone. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Amen? So there's a lot. But all we are saying is, let's begin to be open to work. And to work hard. But also to work smart. So let's talk about the types of work. Because when we go back to to, to Genesis chapter 26. Let's go back there. Genesis chapter 26. Verse 12. And uh, 13. The Bible says, Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. So, two types of work. First of all, let me explain a, a concept that I learned some time ago. It's called the cash flow quadrant, um, popularized by Robert Kiyosaki. In his book, The Cash Flow Quadrant, he talks about four types of ways that people earn. Okay? Four types of, four types, four quadrants where people earn money. The first one is you go to school, you get good grades, and you find a job. So you're an employee. Okay? And how much you earn is limited. It, it reaches a certain point you can't earn beyond that unless you upgrade yourself. If you're not there, you're not earning. That's the E quadrant. So most of us, we work in there, and after a while, we decide, mm, I'm going to do my own thing. So if you're an accountant, you, op- you open up your accounting firm. If you're a teacher, you, op- you open up uh, some kind of consulting firm uh, in, in education. If you, are, if you are a dentist working at KCH, you open up your own dentistry. You, you understand? But here's the problem with that. You are self-employed. The problem with self-employed is this one. If you are not there, things will not work. If, you are, if the dentist is sick, he has to find somebody to take his place and they will get even their pay just to keep the dentistry going. Okay? So most of us are self-employed. When we say, I, I'm, I'm self-employed, what we're saying is, instead of me having a boss, I've just switched that boss is now me. I am my own boss. We, we usually say it that way. So, employee, self-employed, and then there is the business owner. This was a little bit more smart because what they do is they, look, they find a business opportunity and one of the first things that they do is they register a company. They don't have to work there. Some do, but they don't have to work there. They hire people to work in the company. Okay? Every company that you know of is owned by a person. They said, okay, the bottled water is a need in, 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 in Lirongwe. So they open up a company and they, they employ chemists and all these people to, to, do the, to, do, to produce the water and so on, marketers and so on. They don't have to be the MD. They can't be, but they can actually employ an MD and just let this thing make money when they are not even there. That's smart. 
Agma Holdings, AXA, is like that. Let, let's mention names. Come on. Ah, come on. You've seen them. Siku, group of companies. The, the guy who, who started that, he's, he's an old man now, but he's, he's just there being the chair, running things. It's, his, his, it's a family business. Did you know that? They just set up systems. Okay? Then there's a final quadrant. I'm here to find if there are different combinations of that. But the final quadrant is the I quadrant. I for investor. These are the people who take money and make that man and put that money into the business owners. So when they're saying, we are calling for shares, what the people who own these companies are saying, we are looking for investors to put money in our company. Okay? Up until not recently, when the information age finally, we are now, I think, in the information age. But up until recently, that was only for the big boys with money. It was only recently that we started hearing that, oh, um, Standard Bank is floating shares. That time it was Commercial Bank. Uh, Pico is floating shares. They are looking for investors. They are looking for people who have money to invest in this company. And the thinking is when we make money, we will we'll share that money through dividends. Okay? Here is the interesting thing these days. Did you know that with only $10, you can, you, you can invest in a business and begin to make some handsome uh, income out of there after maybe about 36 months. So there are different types of work. You don't have to be huge to be a real estate tycoon. You don't even have to start buying land in the prime areas. No, you can start in, in high-density areas, the ones that are supposed to be cheap and so on. You can start from there and grow. So I've just lumped these two into these four into two types of work. Number one, direct work. Direct work is where the employees or the self-employed you work and you reap the results. If you don't work, you've got a certain grace period, you don't reap. They come to you and they say, um, and sometimes it's, it's you know, when, when you're heading organizations, you, you tend to be more of a psychopath sometimes. So somebody has been sick. And just because the rules say if someone is sick for more than six months and they are not, they are not seem to be, you have to flood them. And it is your responsibility <laughs> So, you know, this person needs the support that was coming from the office. But the company is saying, we can't sustain this person any longer. Offload them. Okay? It's one of those hard things you do in, in HR. Um, you become the demon of the company. But that's another story. But direct work is work where if you're not working, the results will not come. And usually the employees and self-employed fall in this category. Let me ask you a question. If you stopped working today, would you have enough money left to take you for six months? Don't answer that. I'm just asking. If you don't, ah, you need to grow wealth. You need to have plenty. You need progress. Hallelujah. And these are things that we all have had to face. And we all have to face. The second type of work is indirect work. This is where the business owners are and the investors are. They use their assets to work for them. You use your money to work for you. 
A car is not an asset. Okay? A car is not an asset. When you have a car, you don't have an asset. You have a liability. A car takes money away from you. But when you have a car and you are using it to bring money to you, whether it's a taxi or you, you, are, you are doing a car hire business, then a car becomes an asset. Amen? That's indirect work. You take your assets and to employ them to make money for you. To, to grow wealth for you. This is what should be our goal. And you don't have to start big. You can start small, 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 small. One young man, some years ago, lost his father, lost his sister to cancer. His mother was devastated. His brother was devastated. And there he was. And you are in the youth ministry. You have to, to, to deal with this guy. And as we were talking, uh, he said, I want to do business. What kind of business? He said, I have no idea, but I know I need to do business because we're not going to survive. And, um, and I asked him, okay, so in your area where you live, what is the one thing that people continue to buy on a daily basis? He said, units. We have to walk for quite a distance before we get units. So I said, okay, go to Airtel and order units. You are going to distribute units. He says, actually, that's a good idea. We have got a little worker at our home. We just never took off, but I'm going to start again. He started with airtime. Now it's a, it's a grocery people, know, people go to, even up to now. From that little grocery, he was able to educate his brother. His mom runs it now. He was able to go to police college. He's a, he's a cop now. And he's working to be one of the chaplains in the Maui Police Service. From airtime. Do you know how much profit is in airtime? 5%. Is that much? No. But when you do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over, there's a story. First hand, he told me himself. So you don't have to start big, but you can be an investor. You can be like Isaac. In verse 13, the Bible says, okay, verse 12, he planted and he reaped. Okay? And apparently it was a bountiful harvest. What he did with that harvest is what leads into verse 13. Because out of there, he just didn't eat everything. He invested it. And so we hear in verse 13 that the man became rich. He had plenty. He traded. When God told Solomon that I'm going to bless you with wealth, the truth of the matter is that God blessed Solomon, all right? But it was Solomon who was trading, sending his ships far away to buy gold. It was Solomon. It wasn't God. Solomon worked. So many times you're like, I want to be rich like Solomon. Are you ready to work like Solomon? Amen? Rose flowers. You know rose flowers. You know rose flowers grow in Malawi. You know that. So here we are. Oh, drama in Malawi food. Oh, money in Malawi is, is hard. Ah, what do we ever... A couple comes from Kenya. They buy land. They start growing rose flowers to export, not to Kenya, to the UK, in Malawi. 
you can invest. It doesn't matter where you start. Whether you start as an employee or a self-employer or... Isaac started in direct work. And he let that grow. Amen? To the point that this man became rich. That's number one. And his wealth continued to grow. That's number two. Your wealth has to grow. In accounting, they call it net worth. It has to grow. Hallelujah. They should be able to say, this guy is worth so much. I, I like researching all these Hollywood personalities. Their early years, and usually their family life is, is a mess. Usually. There are very few whose families are, are intact. But usually they'll say, Will Smith, net worth is so much. Rihanna, net worth is so much. These guys are wealthy. They have reached a point. You know, there was a time Will Smith would be rejected for movies. Huh? He, he says, I want to be in this movie. And they're saying no. But he keeps working. He kept working. And when he became popular, the first thing, one of the things he did was to set up Overbrook companies. Overbrook is what produces all his movies. Whether you want me or not, I have my own. And I'll call the shots. That's smart. When he makes his wealth to produce more wealth. And that, that releases you to be who God intended you to be. If you are a Christian. It will give you that release to be who God intended you to be. So his wealth continued to make more wealth. You should be able to say, this, this profit I've made from here. You know that word. Yeah. That's the problem. Most of us, we make profit and all of a sudden, hey, you know, we have made five, five million profit. We have never been to Durban, have we? Hawaii. She says Hawaii. So you know how much pasta needs to work. Why? No. Take that five million. Reinvest it. There will come a time when the money will be asking you. You have been to Hawaii. Where next do you want to go? Hallelujah. Now these ones, maybe we need a, a whole seminar to, to talk about this. You can start small. There are stories of Malawi. The, the story of Pickfit Tires. How many of you know Pickfit Tires? Chat with Pio Katembo. It's an interesting story. In the book, Poverty by Choice by Dr. Gamdonio, he, he, he lists Malawians who have moved from nothing to wealthy people. One of the stories in there is of this man in Zuzu who started a garbage collection company. That garbage collection, one day the lorry, you know, the tailgates, it opened and all the garbage, clock tower and Zuzu fell there. The guy stopped and they, helped, they, they asked the police to help them with the traffic and the, he was busy putting the, with his workers, putting all that trash back into the lorry and all that and all that. And, and you know, he's coming from a point where I need to take care of my family. First Timothy 5, 18, 8, right? And the word gets to the wife. This is what has happened in town and your husband is there. Your husband is there. By the time the guy comes back home, the wife says, I've had it. She leaves. But today, he's very, very wealthy. He's gone on to make more and more investments. Go to Grey Matter. Look for the book, Poverty by Choice. And the one who writes it is a Christian, from a Christian perspective too. 
you, you will be blessed. And you will realize that you cannot escape from work if plenty and progress are to be a reality in your life. Yeah, there are setbacks. But you keep going. Amen? They may never say he lived in plenty and progress, but by goodness sake, we know he died trying. That was Isaac. His wealth to make more wealth. Because these jobs that we have, one day they say, you have reached the retirement age of 60. We thank God for you. But what they are not telling you is, you are now spent. We're looking for more energy. More energetic people. And they retire you. How are you going to continue? Most people in Malawi, it used to be that when most people in Malawi retire, they would have a lifespan of five years. After five years, they would just die. Now, it has changed. It has adjusted. It's two years, two to three years. Most people retire. Two years down the line, they die. Why? They do not have resources. They are stressed. They don't know where else to go. So, you hear things like, I don't know where I'm going to go after retirement. And they say, oh, we'll put you on contract for the next three years. Just to try and help them so that at least they have a house. It's sad. It shouldn't be happening. The Bible says a righteous man will leave wealth for his children's children. The wealth that we are going to build is not for the Tamis and Lingas and Tumbigos. It is for their children. Hallelujah. So, we can't do that without work. And verse 13, it says, it's very interesting. Let's look at the progression. The man became rich. Okay? His wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy, very rich. And yet, when we get to verse 23 and towards verse, chapter 27, one thing is interesting about Isaac. Even though he was very rich, he still remained godly. He still pursued God like his father before him. So it is possible to be, to be godly and rich. Amen? Bishop T.D. Jakes is an author, publisher, actor. He has done films. He, has got re- he is rich. Where do you find him on a Sunday? Serving his God. It releases you. Amen? To be who God intended you to be. Because you know, ah, you go home and you know your wealth is building more wealth. Ah, you better put more time for prayer now. Hallelujah. Yeah. You will have more time for prayer. If you've got companies, you, you make those guys report to you. So how are things going? You're just the chair. Let them run with it. At the, at the given opportune time, they should also go out and deploy themselves to bring, even build more wealth. There's more than enough to go around. Hallelujah. We should be the kind of people who say, you know what? With the way the oxygen supplies are, are, are being used in the country, let us just come together. Everybody pledges. Let me assume they are... They are, they are 
there are probably 30 of us in here. Maybe 45, I don't know. If you have already done, how many are we today? And we are wealthy. And even if we said, everybody gives a million. That's 30 million question. How many oxygen canisters is that? How many lives would that go towards saving? We as KICC have decided to give this donation. We go to the hospital, we give that money. Or we tell them we have paid Afrox for, for, to deliver gas uh, oxygen up to 30 million quash. The next time we go and they said, we want to encourage these people uh, spiritually, will they say no? Will they? That's how you use money for the kingdom of God. Amen? Yeah. Let's begin to think like that. You pick a school, they have no what not. We say to ourselves, we have decided to help build a lab. We have decided to, to help finish up the hostels and so on and so forth. And you build everything, everything is done and you say, thank God we, we are going. Bye-bye. You don't do anything the first time around. You've got to be smart, eh? Yeah. So next time you say, we are coming this time. We're just going to have the band and enjoy ourselves and so on and encourage each other. And you share the gospel. Will they listen? Yes. You bring in the gospel. That, that's, that's how I think about using wealth. And then after that, after working so hard in the year and everything, I put in an application and say, Pastor Macduff, I need a holiday and I go to Hawaii with my sweetheart. Yeah. For two weeks and then we come back. We continue ministering. Hallelujah. These are dreams. Dreams are free. So while they are free, I'll dream in color. But what next? When your wealth grows even more wealth, what should your life be about? Will the wealth and plenty bring you to ruin or it will help you to serve God more, better? Huh? Two years ago, our praise team went to Zimbabwe for the outreach that Pastor Matthew had held. We, <laughs> this is when I really saw that we really need wealth, people. We need wealth. That trip was, we call it by faith, but the truth of the matter is we were not wealthy. And God in his favor raised people, some of them who are not even KICC, they said, this is what is happening. We'll give you so much money towards the trip. We'll give but I look forward to a day when the people in this ministry will say, you're planting in Zuzu Church. Don't worry. For the rest of the year, I'll cover the rent. Let the pastor worry about something else, not money. Hallelujah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing something that is close to my heart. So that's the question. When your wealth grows, or when your wealth begins to grow, will it all be about dizipepetse? Let me, let me console myself. It's as if you were, you were beating yourself, so now you need to console yourself. Dizipepetse, or it's going to be about this wealth. Let me also invest this in the kingdom of God. Because that is the, that is the, tr the wealth that you will only live with forever. 
when you invest in the kingdom of God. Invest in evangelistic outreach. Invest in where the youth are being taught the ways of the Lord. Invest, 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 invest. Keep some to grow the, the wealth here on earth, but also invest in eternity. Invest in the kingdom of God. And one day when you get there, like the song says, people are going to say, thank you for giving to the Lord. Because had you not given, I would not have been saved. Amen? So we've talked about the, the attitude we need to have towards work. We have also talked about the two types of work, direct and indirect work. Let me urge you, church, begin to think as an investor, a business owner, so that you free yourself to pursue what God has called you to do. Amen? So let's look at some examples, some case studies, and then we'll close. Let's ask some questions. Joseph, what kind of work did he do? Not, not, not Mary's husband, the other Joseph in, in the Old Testament. He was a steward. He was an administrator. He goes into Potiphar's house. He begins to administrate. God's hand is upon him. Things go well. He's taken to prison. He begins to administrate. God's hand is upon him. The prisoners eat better. He's taken to Pharaoh's house and he's administrating Egypt. There was plenty. Do you see that example? Jesus was a carpenter. We don't hear about Joseph much after Jesus was born. It's very likely that he died when, when, when Christ was still young. But Jesus knew what it was like to earn income for the home. Amen? Peter was a fisherman. Luke, medical doctor. Paul was a tent maker. Will you allow the Lord to use the work that you do to build his kingdom? Will you? And when I'm talking about work, I'm not talking about a job. I'm talking about work. Because you can work whether you're in business or you're employed, you still have to work. So, are we ready to change our attitudes towards work? And the most recent example I can give is that of Pastor Matthew. So, he was interviewed by, uh, was it Zodiac when he came? I watched that interview and, and someone said, what about all these allegations that uh, uh, you use church money and so on? So, Pastor Matthew said, you know, um, when we started KICC, we needed to pay rent. And he, 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 the only way he could see was, I mean, Pastor Matthew, there, there are quite a number of Africans in the church, not many white people and so on. So the finances were a bit skewed. So what did he do? He started a bookshop. And he was selling books and CDs and what. And what. I think this is what has grown to be now Pastor Matthew TV. It's, it's his own business. Okay. And, um, and he says, what most people don't want to say when they investigate us is that I started a business which I was using to support my family, but that business also paid rent for the church for years. And God blessed that business and he began to, to, to invest elsewhere. And he reached a point where he said, no, what God has taught me, I need to start teaching in church. And he started teaching in church. And this is not, these are not the words of Pastor Matthew. It's in the media. KICC, where Pastor Matthew is, 
is one of those churches where there are more millionaires in a church than anywhere else. Because he has said, this worked for me. Let me teach the people. Those who want, they will implement it. And those who did, got wealthy. And he says, it's all in here. I want you to go to Facebook and look at the series he's running now on wealth creation and how it relates to the kingdom of God. Go to it and you'll be blessed. You'll be challenged. But the more I think about this, the more I realize it just points to how much we don't know this word. But there is is grace for us to start. It's never too late. When we are in the Lord and his word, our work will be blessed. Psalm 1 verse 3. There will be plenty and progress. Because that scripture promises us that whatever we do will be blessed. And your influence for the kingdom of God will grow. Wherever God has blessed you, your influence for the kingdom of God will grow. So, in closing, embrace work as a blessing from God. As a vehicle from God, if plenty and progress is to be a reality in your life. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. Embrace work as a vehicle, as a blessing from God. If you are going to get to experience plenty and progress in your life, if that is going to become a reality, embrace it. About the types of work and, and how those ones we can talk at some other time. We need maybe to schedule somewhere. But we can't run away from work. It's God-ordained. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day, the word that you have given us, the challenge you have given us, O oh God, to commit ourselves to work and also to work smart. Help us to change our attitudes towards work, that you did not curse work, you ordained it and you, you, you set it apart for us to be able to use it as a way of getting more, plenty, having progress, For the sake of your kingdom. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. The various adjustments that most of us have to make after listening to this word. May you give us the strength. May you give us, oh God, the wisdom in knowing where to start. Send people our way, oh God, who speak into our lives and help us financially to to begin to do better. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen and amen.